Hey there, story fiends. Allie here. And welcome to their stories everywhere with Elydria Hurt. With the unrest and such in the world right now, I hope this is a place for you to relax. If only for a moment. Little bit of housekeeping. You may not remember, but my novel Shelter came out at the end of April. In short, the main question is what do you do when you find out Grandma's house is a cannibal? There is, of course, more to it, but that's the major question of the book. There's also some family dynamics things going on, but you'll just have to read on to find out what they are. Secondly, June 25th, out comes A Doll's Life, my Broken Cities novella from Falstaff Books. A young mage thief must save herself and her deceased brother without becoming a doll in this piece of weird fiction. Thirdly, if you'd like to read some of my work for free, check me out on Swoon Reads for my YA science fiction novel, A Line. That is S-W-O-O-N-R-E-A-D-S dot com. Wow, seems like I've got a lot going on, which is sort of true. Anyway, check those out and give me some feedback. Leave me a review, drop me an email, you know the drill. So about two weeks ago, I gave you the first five minutes of Dark King Rising, my novel about a writer whose greatest creation comes to life. Of course, my choice of protagonist always asks the question, did I write the books Marie wrote? I did write some parts of them, which I actually took out of the ending manuscript for Dark King Rising. So consider this an Easter egg, if you will. This week's piece is from Mad Queen's Musing, Tales from the Mind of Marie Corinne. It's called Wake the Gravekeeper, which is an excerpt from her first book, Grave Silence. Orange crepe pumpkins decorated the hallways of Arabica High School. They swayed and crinkled in odd time to the thrumming footsteps of the student body moving through the halls. Timothy Kane moved through the throng with the same general ease he'd always had. He was neither jock nor geek, nerd nor outcast. Timothy Kane simply was a member of the Arabica high student body. He was the anonymous middle that grew up in such places in answer to those who made up the upper and lower rungs. Nondescript brown hair, unremarkable brown eyes, and intelligence enough not to stand out, Timothy existed to escape. He was good at it, escaping the confines of his home, appropriately middle class with two working professional parents, escaping the confines of the school, a place where there was nothing more serious going on than the usual pot smoking in the restrooms and nookie under the bleachers, and escaping the world. He was an avid reader, though never where anyone could mock his choice of literature. It was the reading which netted him his only real friend, Kiana Richards. Kiana was a bright girl, which some thought strange thanks to her skin color. There were still lingering doubts, even after all this time, as to whether true intelligence could be attributed to someone of darker skin. Kiana rolled her eyes at the thought whenever it was expressed and proceeded to continue trouncing those of other colors whenever possible in academic subjects. Yet her true passion was fantasy. There she and Timothy were kindred. After school, they met at the library. The outward reason was to study. Kiana had a talent for the sciences Timothy simply did not possess or want. 
For that reason, he met with her every day from 3.30, as immediately as could be after the last bell, considering the walk to the library, until 6 p.m., the expected arrival time of Timothy's mother to drive him home. Kiana's mother was the librarian. She simply stayed there until her mother closed up the library at 8.30 and went home with her. It was on one of those trips to the library when Kiana first mentioned Rosewood. Rosewood Cemetery was, like most local cemeteries, rumored to be haunted by a number of ghosts, most of whom no one had ever really seen, but teenagers told stories about just the same as though they had come face to face with the apparitions and asked them to light up a smoke. Since neither Key nor Tim were of the kind to put much stock in such stories, it was strange when Kiana brought it up, but he listened just the same. According to the paper, there's a new crypt in Rosewood. The news article was on the table between them, Timothy's unopened physical science text on one side and Key's world literature book open to page 283 on the other, just appeared over the weekend. Sounds like a bullshit story, Key. It's the week of Halloween. They're just trying to sell papers. Yeah, I know, but a new crypt in the cemetery, Tim? Think about it. There isn't anywhere in Rosewood to put another crypt, unless you count the swamp on the east side where there isn't enough land to put anything. Yet, according to this report, this crypt has just risen up out of the swamp for no apparent reason. It's like that thunderstorm from last week, the one with the funny colored lightning. That was cool. It was. But what if the two are related? This is where I tell you there is no way those two things have anything to do with each other, and you tell me that we just got to go check it out because there might actually be something to all of this, isn't it? Exactly. I do not think this is a good idea, Key. Why do you say that? Because that's the next line in the book, every time. They plotted, the two of them, to go take a look at the crypt, just to see what was going on. It was an interesting phenomenon, after all. Novels were written about this kind of thing. Years previously, an iron gate was hung at the entrance to Rosewood with a wrought iron sign bearing the name of the cemetery on it as though someone could forget its name. Rosewood was named for the tree in the center, a giant oak tree with the unlikeliest adornment of all, a rose bush. The bush had, at some point in antiquity, started to grow around the roots of the oak and even climbed high enough that some of the roses hung from the lowest branches of the tree like floral apples. The original settlers of Amaranth started burying their dead within the shadow of the tree in a sort of superstitious belief that it would protect them from evil spirits until the second coming. The gate was supposed to be locked. Tonight it hung undone, clapping in the wind, brought on by another fall storm. Clouds rolled high above, hiding the moonlight in fits and starts, making the shadows dance across the marble of grave markers like partiers. Standing at the gate, flashlight in hand, Tim looked across the expanse toward the sand of trees obscuring the swampy east side of the graveyard. Last chance to turn back. Key clapped him on the shoulder, a broad smile on her lips. Her own flashlight was still off. 
On her back, she had a small backpack full of other essentials, including a small amount of holy water she had nicked from St. Matthew's Cathedral. Whether or not it would still work, since it was stolen from the font and carried around in a flask, remained to be seen. However, they did have it just in case it became necessary. If they ran into something they were going to need to bless, they were probably toast. Timothy let that thought run off into the wind like a leaf to mind itself. They were just going to go take a look and come back. That was all. There was no going to be any crawling around in creepy ruins trying to find the source of the crazy. None of that at all. And where's the adventure in that? The sick sound underlying his confidence almost gave him shivers. Thankfully, Key did not seem to notice. They slipped through the undone gate and followed the path as it wound its way first directly north, then dogleg to the east. There was another path going toward the west, the newer part of the cemetery. Tim knew more of the names buried there because he came to visit his grandfather there once a month. After he finished telling Pop Murphy about everything since his last visit, he wandered among the stones and said hellos to a number of other people there, some he'd even known while they were still upright and taking in air. The east side of the cemetery was older, metaphorically darker. The names had been worn away from the stones where they still stood. In some places, they disappeared, eaten by the very ground they'd once stood upon. Here the, gr- here the birds were only owls and raven. One set too quiet, the other too chatty, especially after dark. It was the call of an owl, the question against the trespasser that brought Timothy up short. Who? With a quick, indrawn breath, Tim put his hand over his heart. You okay? Yeah, just wasn't expecting it to sound like he was in my ear. The wind's doing a banshee impression and the owl has to be fucking yelling. Calm down, Key said, patting him on the back. Seriously, we're not even there yet. The pair slipped across stones gone mossy without disuse. The grass was carefully cut, but apparently the money for upkeep of the cemetery didn't include making sure the stone walkway out into the east was easy to walk on. Then again, no one had buried anyone on this side of the tree in decades, right? No need to be worried about it, really. The walkway ended abruptly at the edge of the trees. The trees weren't planted in ground. They stood tall over water where gators would undoubtedly be at home. The low whine of insects frolicking in the dark occasionally welled up over the sound of the wind, or maybe the wind was dying down just enough to let the birds get a word in edgewise. Either way, they reached as far as the cemetery would normally go. As far as it had gone in all the years, Timothy Kane and Kiana Richards had been an amaranth. Now, just beyond the first stand of trees, squatting as though it had every right to be there, was a crypt. It was most certainly a crypt, like the others they had seen, but while others were made of materials which reflected the moonlight, this crypt defied the light to come near it. Shadows cavorted across the surface of the stone before being sucked into the far deeper shadow of the doorway. At the top of the high arch of the door, there was a single stone, a capstone. On the capstone, carved deep as a scar, was a moon. Inside the moon was a reaper's scythe. 
The silver of the blade stood out against the gray of the stone, making up the moon itself. The handle was another stone, something black and smooth. When Tim shone his light on it, the stone sucked in the light just as the doorway did. Okay, I'm officially creeped out now. We should go. You don't feel it? I'm assuming you mean something other than my heart trying to beat its way out of my chest through the front, so clarify. That place is hungry. Places can't be hungry. Just the same, that place is hungry and it's looking for something specific. Tim searched Key's face as she spoke, looking for some sign. She was pulling his legs. Her eyes were too wide, her mouth too tight, and her skin too pale for her to be doing anything but telling the truth. Then the grating sounds started. There must have been a door back in the shadows of that doorway because it was the sound of a hinge, gone too long without movement that set the ravens to flight. The owls were either too uninterested or too stupid to run away. The bugs of the swamp fell silent. A breathy wind blew out from the door, carrying with it a smell best named as concentrated decay. It was thick like alcoholic breath, drowning out the wet fetid smell of the swamp around the crypt. In the sudden silence, even the wind of the storm had gone quiet. Tim and Key could both hear the sound of cloth on stone over footsteps. One foot dragged across the stone while the other stepped. The figure, ducking out into the light, now growing wane from his presence, couldn't have been an inch less than ten feet tall. The doorway was too short for him, yet too wide. He, it, was thin, skeletal, the cloth of his robe hanging off him in heavy folds, sweeping the stones, leaves crushed beneath his feet. As he stood in the light, he put out one hand. His fingers still carried the remnants of flesh hanging off in strips. He saw them. They knew it. They ran. Tim and Key were nearly to the rosewood tree itself when they spoke again. Do you think he's following? If he is, do you think we're going to get away? Out of the cemetery and home as fast as their legs would carry them. It had not stirred from its doorstep. Instead, it stood there, watching them run, drinking in the night through a face not completely gone, but close. They see me. They know me. They will be a problem. It muttered to itself as it stood before putting out its right hand and taking hold of its scythe out of the air. The great weapon stood taller than he. The length of its handle carved with symbols, and its blade decorated with the stylized version of crawling vines. There is work to be done. Deal with the children later. It looked up, the hood sliding back to reveal skin rotted through, yet still holding onto the bones beneath. The voice of the master was one it could not disobey. The children who could see it would wait. They would still be there when it came time. For now, it needed to work at the master's needs. It stepped across the water, disturbing nothing, and onto the ground where minutes before Tim and Key had been staring at the unexplained crypt. The graveyard was quiet as it walked through. 
the robe wiping away footprints as it limped toward the tree at the center. Kill the tree. It swung scythe, listening for the whistling to disappear, and brought it forward against the bark of the tree. A red light jumped from the skin of the tree, bloody in the air around it. There was not a mark on a, the bark from the metal. Again, as the wind howled through the cemetery, screaming the strength of the storm, the graveyard keeper continued to seek the life of the tree, standing over one of the graves of the Dark King. There you have it. Wake the Gravekeeper, a piece from Mad Queen's Musings. I know, I know, you're wondering, why didn't that make it into the book? Why'd I cut it? That story fiend is an interesting thing. I finished Dark King Rising and realized that the forays into Tim and Key's world were too distracting from the main narrative, so I cut them out. However, they were far too good to throw away, so I decided to keep them. Maybe one day I will write the entire four-book set. Would be quite a thing, wouldn't it? You know the drill. You can leave me a note here at the podcast through anchor.fm. Drop me a line in my email at aledria at aledriahurt.com. Hit me up on Twitter at Our Lady of Ashes or join my Patreon. Enjoy, sorry fiends.